Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. So, Nick, you've been calling in another new book under your own name, haven't you? My own name, because I do a podcast. (laughs) Don't need your name Did you ever think you'd be doing a podcast? No, not in a million years. It's weird, isn't it, how things work out? No, but what's really weird is, like, I spend all day, like, mucking out, walking dogs and, like, basically picking up poo from every type of animal we've got. And then we get a lovely little letter from saying, oh, I can't believe someone famous has replied to me. And it really makes me laugh because (laughs) I'm not famous. (laughs) But it's like so sweet. No, it's very unusual. But yes, under my own name, I've got got The Madness of Grief by Richard Cole. The Reverend Richard Cole. The Reverend Richard Cole. Who used to be in the communards. He did, yes. A lot of people talk. It's been out a couple of weeks now, I think, and a lot it of was, people. It was serialised in the Daily Mail, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't read that. So the grief is him losing his partner. It is his, his husband. Yeah. A lot of people had really good reviews from different people on Twitter and stuff. So I thought I'll, I'll give it a try, and I'm not that keen on Richard Cole. Richard Cole. I'm not that keen on him. I've sort of like. What don't you like about him? Well, when I look at his Twitter, I think to myself. If you're sort of like in the church and stuff, you should be a bit more humble. Well, it seems to be a lot about his dinner and what wine to have with his dinner and, you know, how long to cook his partridge for. And there's not much humble going on, you know. Poor partridge. Poor partridge. And I did actually tweet him and saying that I thought that if someone was like a believer in God and you were supposed to protect the vulnerable, what about the animals? Why are you eating meat? And why, when people are like lost their jobs to COVID and blah, 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 and can't feed their families, are you worrying so much about what wine you have with your risotto? Needless to say, he didn't reply. So it's not my, it's, it's not my favourite. So I sort of went into this book thinking... Is it a depressing book about losing um, your husband? No, it's not actually. Um, one thing I'd say about him is he's... Very eloquent. Um, He reads it. I listen to it on audio, actually. And he's very eloquent and he talks very well and he's witty and he's funny, uh, which is probably why he's a media priest. You know, it's it's very real. It's it's the reality of when someone is ill. It's the reality of when someone's dying. Um, What did his husband die of? um, Alcoholism. Um, He's liver. And he talks about that um, really well. And I sort of felt really sorry from that, having sort of like lived with an alcoholic and being the daughter of an alcoholic. That sort of made me soften a lot towards him because it was a, it was a shared experience that I know is, is, is just tragic. And particularly as it's ended up in his husband's death. What it's, didn't you like about the book then? Well, I like the fact it was so real. I'm going to be positive first. I like the fact it was so real. And he thinks things like, well, if I'd known he was going to die two weeks ago when it was his birthday, I'd have bought him a Rolex or done something wonderful rather than, I know, a mug. So it's very, very real. And the reality... If someone gave me a mug, I'd stab them. (laughs) 
No, you want them. They wouldn't. They wouldn't have to die of alcohol. <laughs> You'd haunt them, wouldn't you, if you was on your way out? Um, and the reality of sort of getting up after your your partner's died and going and buying milk and bread, and you've got to sort of function. You're on autopilot. So there was a lot of sort of stuff that you could really, really relate to. And I started really softening towards him and really sort of feeling sorry for him until we got more or less to the end. And they had five Dutch hounds. Dutch hounds? Yeah, which was, I think, his husband. Sausage dogs, which I think was sort of mainly his husband. And after his husband died, he rehomed three of them (gasps) because he said he couldn't cope with, with five dogs. And... That turned me. I was I was feeling sorry. I was very sympathetic. That's and I literally and I thought if I died and you rehomed Rosie and Charlie, I would come from wherever bit place I was. But that's and a terrible that's oh. a, that's a betrayal, isn't it? I thought so. And he said he he just couldn't come. And to be fair, he found them homes with people he knew and they I'm sure they were wonderful homes. But these poor dogs, they'd lost one of their dads. And then now they're losing their home and going to a different family. And I just, you know, I sort of was thinking, oh, God, this is awful. And Did he know it was an awful thing to do to well, rehome the Well, he said he, dogs? Felt, he felt guilty, but it was the best thing for the dogs because, you know, obviously... I mean, if he's a vicar, thing. they only work Sundays, don't they? Well, no, he's on telly a lot, isn't he? Yeah, he's but that telly doesn't count. He could choose not to do that. He could choose not to do that. And I, so, yeah, and I, th- I felt very sad because David sounds like he was... A very intelligent, very dynamic person with lots of interests, and they lived a life. You know, like you've died, but you've really lived a life and you've done stuff. Like if I drop dead tomorrow, you haven't done anything. I've done nothing. I've no. not really travelled. I just work really. I've done sod all, and I'm like, at least if you pop your clogs, but you've done loads. You've lived. No, I think because I've been very ill the last week. Yeah, um, I thought you were on your way out this week. It's so funny. Everyone thinks you're my carer, don't they, Nick? No, it was. I went to the doctors <laughs> to get some medication and all everyone says to me is, are you her carer? And I kind of said, well, yes, sort of. of. I'm, officially, I'm a PA, but sometimes you could call it carer. But there was one point I actually poked but you But I was sort of life. thinking, if, if I died tomorrow, apart from leaving my animals, I wouldn't mind, really. That's a bit, like, defeatist. No, but I have done lots of stuff. No, you have. See, I've done sod all. It'd be better for you to die than me, except for the fact that then I'd lose my job and I'd inherit all the animals, so that might be a bit You'd of a problem. You'd have three insane collies. I'd have three insane collies, I'd have the horses and no job. <laughs> so, so, actually, no, don't die. But And I thought the book was excellent. You know, it's it's a really good book, and I think it's... Great for anyone that's ever lost it, or anyone even that hasn't left lost anyone, because it gives you an insight into what you really go through, the reality of it. It's not all sitting, wringing your hands. It's connecting with friends. It's memories. It's the processes you have to go through. It is a really good book. But I you just, just didn't like him giving away his dogs. I didn't like him giving his way his dogs, and obviously, in reality, who am I to judge? They all went to really, really good homes. And I just, I just think there's more important things in which Chardonnay goes with your partridge risotto. I do, and I, th- I don't see him on his Twitter feed. I, I'm always getting charities this from stuff. these right-on people. Religious. You know, like my ex's friends, they all live in Brixton. They're all incredibly left-wing. They all hate me because I work for the Daily Mail and the Mail on Sunday, and they think I'm bourgeois because I've got a handbag. 
but they all eat meat and they all take yeah. drugs and they all snort coke. Like my husband Certain was Indian, don't. very left wing, very chippy about me. Everyone's always very chippy about me. But when I left London and I left H, my cleaner, who'd been my cleaner for 11 years, I gave her three months redundancy. Yeah. He gave her nothing. Mm. And he made them all mess. This left-wing stuff, it only goes as far as when they're comfortable. They still want their nice life and their bavet steak. And this, you know, I wrote a piece in the mail today about MasterChef because... Oh, poor catering industries, poor hospitality industry. They've all lost their jobs and they're all closed and we can't go and spend £75 for a plate of risotto. But at no point has the hospitality industry said, hang on a minute, we're going to change. We are not going to go on and on about Dauphinoise being a certain shape and everything as they do on MasterChef. We're going to talk about where food comes from. We're yeah. going to talk about pick crates. We're going to talk about live export. We're going to talk about male chicks being into a grinder. It's like they're stuck in the 1950s. Yeah. But wouldn't you have thought this crisis, which has cost them a year of earnings, they would have said, hang on, what we eat has caused this, the pressure on wildlife, the pressure on animals. You know, we have mad cow disease. We've had bird flu, we've had Ebola, all of which are caused by eating yeah. animals. Wouldn't you have thought John and Greg would have said, right, it's vegan week? But it's just, as consumers, we really need to make a stand But doesn't about it make you wonder what, given all the grief... So he's writing a book about grief, but look at all the people who've lost someone this last year mm. from COVID. Mm. Wouldn't you think he'd think about them and think, oh, I wonder if we need to change our attitude... What so was, there aren't isn't yeah. another pandemic. I Didn't think, I predict this pandemic years yeah, ago? Now yeah. I said the way we treat animals, this is going to kill us all. Yeah. We'll be wiped out. Yeah. I did. And to be fair, we deserve it. With our behaviour, we absolutely deserve it. And you get these idiots. I remember having this argument in the Big Brother house and I was trying to explain what being a vegan was. And you get these idiots coming back at you saying, well, you know, lions eat gazelles and dolphin eat fish, but they don't factory farm them. That's a completely They don't issue, put them it? on a ship and leave them in the Suez Canal for three months. Yeah. I've never seen a dolphin driving a truck to Dover, have you? No. No. No, and unfortunately there's always the sort of extremists that put people off of, of, of vegans. Things like you can't have cats or you can't have dogs, you can't have pets because that's against their right. That's bloody ridiculous. My, my dog's cats and horses are the best looked after things in the entire universe. Yeah, but also what the crucial difference is, and I'm here being a bit Megan on this, you didn't give birth to them. No, I rescued them. And you them. didn't breed them. No. That's the difference. And uh, uh, Yeah, exactly. They would exist in the them. world anyway. And that's what I like about Megan is she's got a beagle and she's got a, a Res rescue dog. Rescue dogs, to yeah. be fair to her, absolutely. Do you know what made me angry this week? Do you want, should we have an angry section every week? Oh, a bit that of anger's bloody cathartic. woman winning the Grand National. I know, and someone actually said to me, what did you think of that woman's won the Grand It's, it's record-breaking. And I'm like, I don't watch the Grand National. I've got horses and I would not see them going over them jumps. No. And it's... Oh, she's the first woman, isn't it? Isn't this amazing? And isn't she fantastic? And she's going to get all these sponsorship deals. 
my feeling is, as a feminist, that women should know better. They're not mean little men like those jockeys, and they know they're mean little men, and I've called them that many times. Women can be just as mean. But as a woman, you should have more of a relationship with a horse, and you wouldn't do it. No, I don't think it works like that. There's plenty of mean, mean women out there, and plenty of lovely men. It's not a gender thing, I don't see. I really don't think it is. But you think a woman would have more empathy with a beautiful, beautiful creature? Women can be awful. I don't think it is a gender thing. I just don't. But I felt she should be ashamed of herself. No, I, th- I think anybody that takes part in something that abuses something else is, is or anybody, whether it's. Do you remember or I had that huge row with Claire Balding? Oh, I can't stand her. And she was on the BBC talking after a race, and I wrote a comment piece in the Mail on Sunday saying, well, she didn't talk about the fact the winning horse was hit 13 times and needed oxygen. Yeah. And then a few weeks later or months later, I was supposed to interview her for her new book, for You magazine. And I did all the research and I wrote all the questions and I got on the train to interview her in London and she cancelled because it was me and I'd criticised her for not standing up for horses, not being whipped 13 times and given oxygen. But if she she is strong in her belief, then she should stand up to you and say, well, actually... This is what I believe and why, and have a conversation. That's the second time I've been on a train to interview someone and they cancelled. Do you know what the first one was? Oh, you just scare people. I got the Eurostar to Paris when I was at the Evening Standard. I was chief interviewer of the Evening Standard to interview John Galliano at Dior. I was on the train and he cancelled and I had to go all the way to Paris and get off and come back again. Was that because he heard it was you, though? Was it, was it a direct, like, oh, God, no, it's that woman. No, so I'm not doing once it. Once you're on the train, there's nothing you can do. Well, I suppose, you know, might as well go to Paris and have a nice time. The hotel must have been booked. No, I think I was going there and back in one day. Oh, that's just rubbish. Standards, Jones, standards, Jones. Have a good hotel. So sorry to interrupt, Liz, but we have a very important announcement that might just interest your listeners. There's another Mail on Sunday podcast and it could change your life. It's called Medical Minefield. Yes, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. And that's with me, Barney Kalman, the Mail on Sunday's health editor. And me, Eve Simmons, the deputy health editor. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. to hear about this week's column go on suck it to me oh god there's not more zoom sexes so please god don't be prudish i can't help it my mum says i'm a prude i do i cringe this column is called postprandial what does that mean prandial i don't know you wrote it well no i didn't i'm just saying that now oh okay (laughs) you've got it from somewhere (laughs) this is post zoom sex oh god I think the point where he'd have had a cigarette, and I don't know what I'd have done. Did he take his glasses off? So we were talking afterwards. I still had a little bit of battery left, ha-ha, in the laptop. (laughs) Boom, boom. He says he's missed me. What did you miss? Well, I certainly didn't miss being written about, much less stressful. I missed your humour. I missed your dogs. Not exactly the answer I was after. So I asked him, why didn't you reply when I texted to say, how would you like to proceed in an ideal world? 
I didn't know what to say, he said. I'm not sure. We can't go back to how it was before. And I thought it was quite nice. Didn't live together. Met in hotel rooms, mini breaks, sports cars. Yeah, it works for me. He yeah, said, yeah. I can't have anything negative in my life. He oh, sounds like a woman, God. doesn't he? Oh, dear God. Poor, poor delicate soul. I thought the next thing is going to start doing headstands and pureeing <laughs> kale. I think he's referring to the time I was interviewed by Lynn Barber for another newspaper and I told her when quizzed he's not handsome. But the problem is they cut what I said next, which was what attracted me to him was that he'd made it on his own through sheer hard work. There was no nepotism, there was no favours, he didn't have a famous dad. He'd made it through sheer hard work. He grew up in a tenement... And I grew up in an old rectory with no central heating, which meant we had something in common. So did I just cut it? He's not handsome? No. No, you completely misunderstood, Nick. He was cross. I, I said he's not handsome, but they cut the context, which was... No, that's what I said. That's what I meant. What did you say? That's what I meant, that they, they'd stopped here and said he's oh, not handsome. Oh, I thought you said yeah, yeah. cut. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not that thick. <laughs> anyway, we make a plan to meet in the real world after lockdown. So I've already written that column, but it's not out yet. So we cannot vivisection that column. Back away it from the column. It remains sacrosanct until that week. My lips are sealed. And what's quite funny is after he logged off after the Zoom sex, he didn't realise I could still watch him. You know, like with our producer, we can still watch him making a tea yeah, yeah, and getting yeah. ready for the gym. I could still see him. We arranged to go out for something to eat after lockdown. So I immediately, on my laptop, start browsing Netaporte and I find a lovely chalky midi dress by Bottega Veneta. Only you would say, like, chalky. Like, anyone else would be, like, beige or cream. Yeah, but or... you're not a fashion guru, are you? No, I wouldn't say chalky. No, okay. It's a chalky it's a little chalky... strappy number by Bottega Veneta. Okay. It's a bit bridey, but you need to get the subliminal message in there, don't you? <laughs> well, yeah, crack on. We ain't got a lot of time left. So I went online and then I booked a table and I said one vegan, one vegetarian and then this is a new thing. When you book a table, it says what's the occasion? You have to go down and choose one. So it's business, birthday, funeral, date. So I had to type date. Did I not have a leg over one? So I sent him a note for his calendar and he said, shall I book a room? And I said, you can't book a room because they're not open until May 17th. I said, you'll have to stay with me. I close my laptop and try to sleep. If I meet up with him physically, then my last relationship will be over. Uh, uh, I knew you'd start cheering. Uh, uh. Have you brought balloons? <laughs> Party poppers, champagne corks. <laughs> and then I start doing the backwards countdown of all my treatments and I realise I don't have enough days because, you know, you cannot airbrush tan oh, on the same day that you've had waxing because otherwise all the colour goes into the pores and you look like a speckled hen. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be attractive. This Joe's got measles. And you know one of the reasons we split up is because I'd airbrushed tanned and then I stayed at his and I dyed his Lucy brown. American tan. That was... that was that Permanently. Lucy can be replaced. It seems a bit drastic. That's quite a bad thing to do, though, isn't it? Dye someone's loose seat brown. <laughs> and all the mystique goes, doesn't it? Well, Why is my loose seat brown? Well, uh, Liz, goddess that you are, 
you do need the Lou the same as everyone else, goddess or not. Yeah, but I should have lined it with something before I sat on it. Oh, what, like when you use like public toilets, yeah. you line it with little bits of tissue. <laughs> You can read this week's diary in full on Mail on Sunday's You magazine. But you know what I've been thinking about this week, apart from my Your countdown, I should imagine. Yeah, the countdown. (laughs) I've been thinking about the Queen going back to work after four days after Philip died. That's incredible, isn't it? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, she is a completely. I mean, when Zach, your staffy, died, we didn't see you for a month. Now, that's not true. You was away and I had to work. No? It's a joke. Oh, it's a joke. Oh, we're doing it the other way around. Oh, it's a joke. <laughs> but to lose someone after that length of time... Shocking. And it made me think about my mum. And my mum, um, they got married during the Second World War. She was 21. He then went to fight the Nazis. Oh, God. <laughs> for three years. She didn't see him for three years. But after that, they were inseparable and they used to hold hands and so in love with each other. So she lost my dad. They were married about 60 years. So it was a real love story. And I remember I was chosen to be in the hearse with my mum following the coffin. So I'm sitting in the back of the hearse with my mum and she goes and the coffin arrives and she said to me, I can't believe my darling is in that coffin. She couldn't cope with that. Bless her, that's just heartbreaking. But because they're such an amazing generation, she quickly perked up like the Queen. And I remember I went with her to Waitrose not long after he died. And we get to the till, because my dad did all the shopping because my mum was disabled. And the woman said to my mum, do you want cash back? And she was like, Oh, yes. Oh, that's fantastic. How much can I have? She'd never, ever got cash back. She'd never had a checkbook. She'd never had a bank account. She'd never driven. She'd never had a job. So it was a completely different set of life skills. But she kind of embraced it in a way. Oh, I can get cash back. That's so exciting. And she was quite upset it was only £50. (laughs) (laughs) So she did try and carry on without him because she didn't really have any choice well she had so many children as well i mean you and can't grandchildren just roll over can you but she was quite incredible my mum oh bless her i mean obviously that my mum and dad had been divorced it wasn't a love story like like your parents but you were about 14 weren't you? i was about 14 and um he died of alcoholic poisoning on um in his in his caravan he, he was literally gone from having a farm and everything to working on the roads in, in on a ca- and living in a caravan, and we ca- had no knowledge of this. He came, they, the police came and told my mum as I was his next of kin, and I mean I felt nothing when he died, nothing because he'd, he'd been so awful to my mum. My mum had such a she left him when I think I was about three. Was she upset when she heard that? No, God no. I think that we, <laughs> this is so funny. Probably people won't think this is funny, but it is funny. We. You saw a horror film. Do you remember Hammer House of Horrors? And there was this old film where someone dances. They get a radio, and it was like the little old-fashioned radios, and they dance on someone's grave. So when my dad died... Did she go to the funeral? No, she went to the funeral. I went to school. and But the pub clubbed together. The pub was the only people he had to pay for his funeral. 
after he died, we went to look at the, the stone and sort of just, you know, I felt I should go, you know, and see where it was and stuff. I was nosy more than anything else. My mum actually tap danced on his grave. It was, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was funny. I can't. That's quite shocking, though. It is quite, but he was so awful to my mum. He was so, so awful to my mum. So she wasn't a hypocrite. My mum is not a hypocrite, and she didn't care that he died, and I didn't care he died. And it's such a contrast with like your parents that were sort of in love, and it was so difficult for. Her. It's just, it's really. Sh- strange isn't it how different you know people's lives can be what was awful about my dad's funeral and my mum coped with it very well my older sister claire who died of alcoholism she almost fell in the grave because she was so drunk oh my god that would be terrible oh my god and i think my sister and i got the giggles my other sister and i mind you it's those little moments isn't it that make funerals bearable in a way those those little things that happen or memories that you bring up and talk about or something that you you do laugh and celebrate something but that sort of leads us nicely to my archive this is from the 13th of september 2014 it wasn't a great year 2014 it was an awful year wasn't it i lost my job awful lizzie my horse died and then this column is about the day my mum died awful awful year she was in her 90s Um, On Friday morning, I reached for my iPhone, a missed call at 11.03pm from my sister. Strange. I got up, let the dogs out. Hi, Liz. Mum had a terrible night. She'd been in pain, so the doctor prescribed a painkiller, which made her start vomiting. Daria, that's my mum's incredible living carer from Latvia, Dialed 999 instead of 111 by mistake and an ambulance turned up. So my sister spent two hours persuading the ambulance men not to cart her off to hospital because that would have finished her off. Daria, as I said, is Latvian and because she was so upset, she wasn't talking as normally she does. And the ambulance woman kept saying to her, I can't understand you. Your English isn't good enough. We're taking her. (gasps) Eventually they left. My mum's 94, and it states clearly in her notes that she would not for resuscitation or extreme measures. I got in my car and set off on the five-hour journey to my mum's. She lived in Saffron Walden in Essex. I picked up my elder sister, Claire, on the way. I kept thinking we wouldn't get there in time. I parked outside my mum's sad little rented house and went upstairs. I mean, my mum hadn't been downstairs for about ten years. No, she was bedridden, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. My mum was still breathing, quiet now, with a needle in her arm for fluids. Her head felt cool as her temperature was very low. I was really glad she was getting fluids because when my dad died, all treatment stopped and I kept saying to the nurses, won't he be thirsty? Isn't he hungry? Why are we starving him? At 9am the next morning, my mum simply stopped breathing. Her twinkly blue eyes opened slightly. We're not crying this week. We're not crying this week. I've never seen a dead body before, as I'd been too scared to say goodbye to my dad. I kept saying to my sister Sue, who's a nurse, are you sure she's dead? The day I had been dreading since I was 10 or 11 years old, when my mum, crippled with arthritis, started a long saga of hospital treatments and surgery, had arrived. How many times over the years that I dashed to this house fearful of what I would find? How many times that I had a call saying my mum had fallen over? 
Dementia meant she no longer knew who I was. Although she would show glimpses of clarity, she would leak tears and say she could no longer stand being here. That's awful. I knew she wouldn't want the indignity of being confined to a bed, tended to by young girls and young men who turned up three times a day to help Daria change her. Why must my mum endure a natural death when her survival was unnatural? The NHS gave her drugs, infected her with MRSA, prolonged her life. She should have died 20 years before. She did smile on Thursday, said Daria, who sobbed as my mum died. Oh, I love Daria. I drove back to London to the flat I was going to lose that week. So I lost that flat because I'd lost my job. But she was such a lovely, undemanding mum. She never demanded anything of me. Um, I remember the first day I went off to college to do my A-levels, I was sick with nerves because obviously I'm a very nervous person. And my mum said, you don't have to go, darling. You can just stay at home. So she never pushed me to do anything. You don't have to go. The next day, Sunday, I drove back to my mum's house to pick up Daria and take her to her next job. She was expected by her private employer, because these are all private carers, and I paid for my mum's carer. The day after she lost her ward, she'd been with my mum about five years, every single day. They don't get holidays. Grieving, she was expected to take all her suitcases and get on a train and get on a bus and go to her next job. That's terrible. The next day. That's heartless. Absolutely So I heartless. went back to the house to pick her up and drive her. I wouldn't have her going on a train with all her cases. Right. And we got to her next job where she was going to look after the next person. And she didn't want to look after anyone else because she loved looking after my mum because all my mum ever said was, thank you, I'm fine, thank oh, you. She needed to grieve, didn't she? And she I mean, needed to grieve. a long time. And I, she was so traumatised, we got out. Stopped the car and she got out the car and she just fell over because she was just so traumatised and I had to pick her up off the pavement. But the funny thing that happened was I got to the house the next day. I didn't drive my sister Claire back to her house, so I gave her the taxi money and she put all my mum's paintings in the taxi and taken them all off the walls. Within 24 hours of my mum dying, she'd taken the pictures off the walls put them in a taxi I paid for and scarpered with them. Why do families do that? Why do they get so So I said to her, why did you take the paintings off the wall, the lovely original watercolours of where my dad was born and everything? She said, I was, I was worried the carer would steal them. What, the lovely carer that The lovely carer who used oh to put a God. hat on my mum at Christmas and decorate a tree and my mum didn't even know it was Christmas. Oh, that's, so, that's a mean Aren't thing people to strange say? what yeah. they think of? And then, of course, I got into terrible trouble for writing this column in 2014, saying my sister had taken all the pictures off the wall and put them in the taxi that I paid for. Hmm. I had her sons on the phone to me. And very shortly after that, she died. My sister died. And my nephews banned me from the funeral. I remember that, yeah. I remember that. That was quite harsh. Well, she shouldn't have taken the pictures off the walls. Our family's awful. My nephews didn't say, actually, Liz, yeah, you can come, because she was a nutter. And every time she rented somewhere, you were the guarantor. So if she defaulted on the rent, I was the guarantor. Mm. I did it time and time again. I paid for her to go to a detox clinic in Switzerland. They didn't bring that up. They just wrote, oh, you wrote in your column that she... 
You know, nothing yeah. else ever comes into account in my life. All the nice things I do for people, you wrote in your column. You wrote in your column. Well, you shouldn't have done it. People will always focus on the negative in any situation. Though. The negative is always stronger than the positive. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Last week, Nick, we talked about Lizzie, my horse, dying. We did, And we yeah. both got very both upset. both cried, yeah. Because <laughs> we were Lizzie's two mummies, really. We were. But we had some lovely letters about it, didn't we? We did. And there was a lot of people that, you know, really felt the same. They knew exactly where we were coming from because they've lost their animals. There was one lady that um, wrote in and I, my heart broke for her, absolutely broke for her. She'd had to have her dog put to sleep and she had to give her dog over you know, to the vet. Because of COVID. Uh, because of COVID. And, 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 you know, it was heartbreaking for her. Absolutely heartbreaking. A lot of people can't say goodbye to their parents in hospital. It's just a really awful time. But we did. We had some lovely letters. And there was Angela who said, thank you for your chat this week about animal bereavement. I'm so sorry you still grieve for your horse. I lost my dog two months ago, the first I'd ever had, and I'm heartbroken. I never knew grieving for an animal could be so profound. It helped to, to hear you both talk about it, and I know I'm not alone. And there was a, another one from Seraphine, um, our lovely Seraphine. Lovely we Seraphine. Love Seraphine. She lives in Canada. Yeah, and she's got an album out now, so which I've got the link on my Twitter, so and it's, it's fantastic. And um, she says, oh, Liz, my heart just broke listening to the podcast today. That beautiful horse knew she was loved and adored. I'm outside doing yard work, listening and weeping. And Lizzie is worth all our tears. And the love you've given these beautiful beings is worth more praise and appreciation than I know how to offer. Please let me know which animal rescue organisation you favour. I get a royalties check and I'll donate it in Lizzie's name. Isn't that kind? That's like so generous. So she's given her royalty check in Lizzie's name to Chris Stray Rescue. Yeah. yeah. And is this sponsoring you to jump out of an aeroplane? Yep, yeah, I'm I'm gonna um put Was the, that a different the, thing? No, no, it's just I'm gonna put the link up on um Twitter and on our website, on our web on Lizzie's website. Um, because we've had quite a few people, I've had a lot of people contacting me saying that they want to sponsor me for the parachute jump. So we'll make it nice and easy for everyone to do it. And I appreciate that because I am genuinely terrified. I'm literally, I could die doing this of a heart attack. So you're jumping down. out of a plane in Carlisle? No, Cumbria on the 11th of September. Is that the Lake District? Yeah. And so we're evacuating the Lake District. <laughs> the tremors. In case will Nick come lands through. on them. No, there'll be tremors and earthquakes throughout the, the region. The lakes will create a tsunami when you land. I'll tell you what, they're going to have to push me out that bloody plane. They're going to have to push me. I ain't going willingly. And we also have from Steffi. Uh, what a great article is. Really funny and no smut. It's a good job that I can't zoom. That was about zoom. last week's Zoom sex. It is about Zoom sex. Good job I can't Zoom or any of that stuff. I would end up in a right state. Trust you are well. I've had my second jab on the 27th of May, so happy about that. 
as I think I'm going to need it with Nottingham turning to Party Central on the 12th. I'm staying home. So Steph wants to know, will you start travelling again when it's safe for you for work, etc.? And they're thinking of getting a converted van for the weekend trips. Safer, and I've decided I can't stand airports, though I might try a cruise to Spain. I'd love to do that. I'd love to get, a, like, a camper van or something and just go off. But can you go to a loo in a camper van? Yeah, they've got loos. Have they? They've got loos. If she's converting a van, she'd put a loo in, wouldn't she? Yeah, loos but those classic BW things, they don't have loos. No, I don't want one of those. I want, I want like, a really good one with, like all singing or dancing I, I don't want like a little thing that you sleep on a pull-out thing I want like a double no, bed. I'm a bit nervous about traveling again because you know how nervous I am yeah and you know while Venice was on lockdown I was like fantastic I'm not going to be told to go to Venice with two hours notice so that was quite nice yeah it, it's always very stressful isn't it when you travel because you, you've got to be there for an assignment you've got people to meet it's not the same as as a holiday is it no but what about nice holiday I'm not very good on holidays because I always pack myself. You always what yourself? Pack myself. I always go, don't it's I? It's like me, I do your shopping better for you than you do your shopping. I think I, I, no, I'm not very good at holidays. I'll do it for you. I'll go for you. I'll go for you. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary of the Podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review, only good ones, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and mailplus.co.uk. I'll be back next week, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.